want Philly Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. Welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. My name is Connor. I am your host this evening. Of course, LJ is not here. As we were talking about before we came on, he is celebrating uh, Black Friday mm-hmm. and shopping lots. Um, <laughs> so I am joined for the second time this season by Chris at Mr. Crockpot on Twitter. He is the the leader of the Paint It Lines crew and the reason we are we is the Kelly Green Hour here tonight. Chris, welcome back. How are things? What is going on, gentlemen? Happy, happy, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Saturday evening. Hope everyone has a cocktail. Uh, again, thanks for having me on, Connor. Uh, let's talk shop. Let's talk some birds. You you, you missed Thanksgiving by about a, a month for me. But yes, happy Thanksgiving <laughs> to the two of you. And joining us, he was with us for some mock drafts in the offseason. It is Mitch at Mitchkovsky on Twitter. Uh, he does Philly Talk with MK, and he's a co-founder of the Hardcore Sports Network. Mitch, I know you're feeling really good right now, so. <laughs> Dude, I haven't felt this. Oh, my God. Missing in, bro. First time since 2000 that we beat Ohio State in Columbus. Like, I'm on cloud nine. Can we just get started because I can talk about this all day? <laughs> that is, uh, I agree. I agree. Um, make sure you follow the Kelly Green Hour on Twitter at the Kelly Green Hour and make sure you follow. LJ's got this down to a science, <laughs> but make sure you follow the Painted Lines and Edge of Philly Sports. It's pretty much TPL, the Painted Lines. EOP or Edge of Philly Sports, wherever you are looking on Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. So make sure you find everybody there and follow all of them and like and subscribe to all of them. Um, I wanted to start off the episode by talking. I wanted your guys' opinions on a couple things that just came out in the last 24 hours from Jeff McLean regarding a couple very interesting things. The first thing was the Eagles are having contract extension conversations with Jalen Hurts presently. And a potential deal reaching $50 million a year is on the table. It is being discussed. And how he has voiced his concern about it and the impact of this contract on the roster and the team's ability to re- remain competitive in the future seasons. I'll start with you, Mitch. What are your thoughts on based on what you've seen, based on, you know, the Carson Wentz deal, based on circumstances with quarterbacks in the past and where the quarterback market is going, $50 million to Jalen Hurts and this type of contract extension. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, like, I'm not the biggest – I wasn't the biggest fan of Jalen Hurts in the beginning of the year. I wasn't, right? I was the guy who criticized him every move that he made, left and right. Was this good? Did he read the right route? Did he do this correctly? Well, he shut me up 
to the fact that I had to make a video saying that Jalen Hurts proved me wrong, and that video went nuts. So I'm just saying, he proved me wrong, but to get $50 million? I mean, come on, if we get that, we can't get these other pieces like a Garner Johnson or all these other pieces. So if it were me, I would go like to the 40 mil mark, 40. I wouldn't go that high, the 50. But hey, he deserves his money if he does. But I mean, and when you think about it, Chris, we think about it in regards to the cap goes up about $20 million a year. Understandably, we do 17 free agents. How many of those do we really need to bring back is a big question. And one of the, the biggest things is getting that franchise quarterback, that guy that you can trust. I get it. There's a lot of people who are very critical of him in regards to if he was in a different system, it wouldn't work. The point is he's in this system. He works in this system. He has earned his money in this system. So we know the cap is going to go up. We know how Howie rigs the contracts. The, the Carson Wentz deal on paper, we sit there and we say, oh my gosh, it was terrible, but he was at a guaranteed money by year three out of five years. So Chris, what are your thoughts on this? I think it, it's pretty close. Um, I don't think it's that outlandish whatsoever. You look at Josh Allen, uh, he got 46. Uh, you look at Jalen Hurts' age, you look at um, how he has gone from a quarterback you win because uh, with versus a quarterback you win because of. He has grown leaps and bounds, like Mitch has said, into that next tier category of a guy just like we saw against the Colts. You know, eight rushing first downs, literally took this Eagles offense on his back. And the, that's this is exactly the conversation that I've been waiting for and, you know, expecting. Um, because when it comes to Jalen Hurts, that's what this conversation is about. Is he worth that, you know, mid-40s, uh, possibly $50 million a year, uh, you know, price tag? And he's he has absolutely earned it. I mean, he, he's definitely squashed a lot of question marks when it comes to third downs, attacking downfield. There's still some questions when it comes to uh, responding to pressure and the blitz and things like that, uh, which will be interesting because we still haven't played the, the Giants and uh, who blitz more than any NFL team in the league. Think, and you got Parsons coming up again in the near future on Christmas Eve. Um, so for me, I, I think it's what I think <laughs> it's a it's a hefty price tag, but this is the game, right? This is this is kind of exactly what we've been dissecting and assessing and whether or not he deserves it. He absolutely does. I mean, you look at MVP voting, uh, you look at kind of where uh, Josh Allen is, Russell Wilson is, even Deshaun Johnson. Deshaun Watson has 46 million a year. Aaron Rodgers is at 42. Um, this kind of goes to exactly what I said on a previous show about that Saints draft pick. Holy cow. Trade that pick, accumulate assets, repair some of these holes because the, the Eagles have a ton of uh, free agents coming off the team in the near future, especially on that defensive line and things like that. So um, it's it's an interesting talking point, uh, but I don't think $50 million is that you know, in left field. I think it's pretty close. Yeah, and I would agree with you on that point. It's like these contracts, especially when you talk about look at him in regards to where is where he is in MVP odds and his stature in that conversation. He's been in the top five of that conversation for the entirety of this season. You can't expect, especially when the cap is going up, that the most important position in football 
the price tag would go down. And there's this belief that, you know, you see where Patrick Mahomes is, like you said, you see where Josh Allen is, you see where Lamar Jackson wants to be. Um, I think the the real point is, you know, working out a team-friendly deal where, yes, it's $50 million, but when you look at it and you really dissect it, Howie Roseman does his his due diligence in ensuring that it doesn't completely ruin the team for the future. And, yes, you did mention there are a ton of free agents coming up this offseason that now they have to figure out. Lucky thing is the – Jalen Hurts contract wouldn't kick in until 2024 because he still has his final year of his rookie deal, I believe, next season. So that would help. But there is one other report that came out per Jeff McClain, and it was of the 17 expiring contracts for the Eagles this season. They are, quote, most likely to extend safety Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And I posted it and I said of the impending free agents, three have been the biggest and most consistent game changers. That's James Bradbury, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, TJ Edwards. Obviously, I think there's one person in the in the conversation who said TJ Edwards or nothing. And then there's somebody else who said CJ and TJ. And that's all I want to hear about. So I'll start with you on this one, Chris. What are your thoughts on this? And I think the biggest thing that I feel here is James Bradbury's age and what he is going to earn plays against him. And it's one of the biggest reasons that week in and week out, me and LJ have talked about it and said he's likely not coming back because it's kind of like Steven Nelson. Steve, mm-hmm. don't, but don't get me wrong. James Bradbury has probably earned double what Steven Nelson earned from last season. But at the end of the day, he's going to earn a lot more than we want to pay for a guy who's 28 going on 29. Whereas Chauncey Gardner Johnson is 24. TJ Edwards has proven extremely good and he's what, 26 years old. So those are two much younger players who can have a much bigger impact for the future. And early and often over the next few years. So Chris, what are your thoughts? You nailed it, man. It, it's it. This is more so about not being able to bring back uh, Bradbury. That's, that's how I see this. And you look at uh, James Bradbury, who has been absolutely sensational uh, opposite Darius Slay. Um, you know, Chauncey Gardner Johnson has had a really good year. He's up there. If not number one in interceptions uh, this season for me, um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I would rather put that money into the offensive and defensive line. Just, that's just my opinion. Um, but we'll see. Safety is absolutely a priority position for the, the Philadelphia Eagles. The problem I come into is um, that's not a Howie move, right? Like Howie never invests that much money into this kind of position. So that's the one thing I'm a little curious or hesitant about this report. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. And he, and he bet on himself because he wanted to be paid as a safety, not as a nickel, which the New Orleans Saints wanted to pay him as a nickel because that's where they predominantly used him. And now he has proved himself in a position that is, you know, a top nickel will earn what eight to $10 million, a top safety suddenly you're earning the 16 to $20 million range. And Howie, we know how he was in on a lot of the bidding that happened in the off season with the safety position, but it just got out of his price range. So the report to me, I agree, is a little surprising because he wasn't willing to pay some of these other safeties. And now he's going to go out there and pay 
granted he is 24 years old he's younger than these other safeties that he went for in the offseason but you're gonna go out and you're probably gonna make this guy the highest paid or at least guaranteed a top three highest paid safety in the league with the way that he's playing mitch what about you what are your thoughts on this report it's gotta be the age for me for james bradbury we're just going through a cycle right now with um the cornerbacks in their age we're just going in cycle year after year after year so i'm like bradbury I don't know if I will pay him that kind of money. I want to give the Garner Johnson and TJ both of those guys, or even just Garner Johnson. I'm fine with that. But do you take the Saints' first round pick and draft a corner? So that way we're good on corners for like a couple of years. Would you guys do that or not? I mean, we we've talked about that. I think we've had Chris on where he's mentioned some names, and I know me and LJ have mentioned names. I would definitely be willing to go there. I don't think that you can go into the future in a year where you have two first round picks and go ahead and and sign a twenty eight going on twenty nine year old cornerback. You're considering extending Darius Slays, who's a thirty two year old cornerback, and only getting older as well. You have to choose at one point. One of these cornerback positions has to be addressed with a younger talent versus these prove it talents that have proven they're worth a lot more money. And that's why, yes, I would agree. I think like at this point, if the pick stays closer to 10 than mm-hmm. the top five corner makes more sense. If it ends up around, you know, top five, Chris, we've had you on the show where we've talked about it. This is likely an edge or defensive lineman coming off the board for the Philadelphia Eagles if this get, if this gets in the top five. But Chris, what are your thoughts on Mitch's question about corner and and addressing it, getting younger at it? It's right there. It's it was. I did a poll and we got a ton of votes. It was edge number one, cornerback yeah. number two. So people absolutely see that cornerback is a huge need for this team moving forward. Um, obviously the, the biggest name is Keith Ringo out of Georgia. Uh, he's a CB one, uh, but some guys that will absolutely be there, um, what between 10 to like pick 32, depending on where the Eagles pick ends up. Joey Porter jr. Uh, is a really good cornerback out of Penn state. Uh, Christian Gonzalez is super underrated, uh, out of Oregon. If you haven't heard of him yet, uh, go check him out. Six foot two. Uh, great measurables, big-time playmaker, Cam Smith out of South Carolina, uh, Devin Witherspoon, and Clark Phillips. So there's like – it's a deep draft at cornerback, uh, just like edge. I mean, I, I've counted uh, at least when it comes to the edge position, like like six to eight guys that could go in the first round. At cornerback, you're probably looking at somewhere pretty close to that when it comes to first round, round two. Um, so it's going to be – uh, uh, there's going to be guys there that will be available for the Eagles. Um, it, it always it always depends on the board and how the board falls. So um, I think Keely Ringo is a tier among himself in this draft. Then there's a pretty steep drop. I think Joey Border Jr. has a ton of length, uh, thrives in press coverage, uh, great athlete, great size, uh, but he's just he's just a notch underneath Ringo. Um, for me personally, I would lean towards edge uh, guys like Miles Murphy, Tyree Wilson, uh, even on the interior, Brian Breezy um, and uh, obviously Jalen Carter, if they're lucky enough that he falls for whatever reason. Uh, but yes, I could see cornerback being need, but absolutely uh, interior defensive line and edge are for me personally where I would go. 
Absolutely. And like you said, it definitely depends on where the board falls and, and where these picks end up be going. Because I know, and Ryan says first round D line and DB second round O line. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see where our pick lands as well, because obviously there's a, another major question mark that a lot of people, I get it. They look at their, they look at the defensive line and where it's at right now and the shape that it looks edge and interior wise. And then you look at the O-line and how that's aging as well. You look at the DBs and how that's aging. We did not extend Miles Sanders. And that becomes something that I think we're really going to have to talk about is there's some positions of need offensively that are going to have to be addressed. And we know how he's going to look their way throughout the draft. And as much as we want, like maybe what Ryan says, where we go D line, DB, O line, and we think that how we might lean that way, he made the decision on a few positions to go away from them in extension talks and in. At when negotiating at the table in the offseason. So I think there's going to be a lot of things that are very, very different. And I'll be very interested to see how things go this offseason because there's a lot more question marks, in my opinion, than than we think for this team but we are set up for future success like you guys have alluded to we got the two first round picks we have the salary cap going up we have a lot of impending free agents we got some cap space to work with we got a pretty good we got a lot of good foundational pieces so this will be really interesting to see but obviously we do also have a game that we need to talk about this week but i did want your guys's opinion on the jeff mcclain pieces but before we move on to the game Chris, of those 17 guys, who is the guy, Howie, you would pan the table, Howie has to extend? Of our free agents? Yep. Oh, man, that is a great question. I got a couple of mine. All right, Mitch, you go first. You go first. Fire away, Mitch. Carter Johnson, the first one. <laughs> I mean, come on, the guy leads the league in interceptions. You got to keep him, right? Um. Now, I would not let Fletcher Cox stay. I think no, he's, he's done. Yeah. He's got to go. I mean, he's not he's, playing. He's toast. He's just falling over. And uh, Namakon Sue is going to be another one. I'm probably – I'm hesitant on him right now because of his age. But if he can be as a role piece, I'll keep him for the run stop. I'll keep him for, like, a role piece, minimum minimum or something like that. Limbaugh Joseph could be another one for, like, one year. I don't know. It's like keep the D line good. We need uh, to run. We lost that against the Texans, against the Commanders. I mean, it looked bad. So we got to fix that going forward. I can see that with those two guys. Well, and and I would agree with you, Mitch, in saying like not all the needs are going to be addressed. Like we need to start an edge. We need to start in defensive lineman to go behind beside Jordan Davis because Javon Hargrave is someone we haven't talked a whole lot about, but he is an impending free agent as well. We, what about the running back position? There's a, there are going to be ones that are filled with a one year prove it deal or one year, just get us to the next year. And we're going to address that need next season because we've addressed these needs this season. So I do agree with you that, you know, I don't know. Damakon Sue, it feels like he's one of those guys who will only come back when he sees a championship opportunity. I don't think you will see him sign another contract in the offseason to come back and play an entire season with the team. 
But Linval Joseph, I believe Linval Joseph's two or three years younger than Sue. So he is somebody who may consider coming back for a year and saying, okay, if I'm pay- playing 25, 30% of snaps, sure, I'll come back. I'll help you guys out. Uh, I'll be your fourth defensive, interior defensive lineman in the rotation or whatever. Chris, what about you? Yeah, that Linval Joseph definitely on the top of the list. Um, you know, if you can get a, a guy that can rotate with Jordan Davis moving forward, that would be a really strong move because uh, you look at kind of their depth at that position is not good. Um, and you, you look at Hargrave, you look at Cox and everyone on the decline there, free agents, they really need to add depth in that area. So Lingrave, um, Linval Joseph is there. And then I, then we need to like in relation to the upcoming ex- extension for Jalen Hurts, like you got to be looking at team friendly deals. As much as people don't like him, I've been okay with him. Marcus Epps on a very team-friendly kind of deal uh, to add depth at safety spot would be okay with me. He's not hurt this team whatsoever. Um, and then I look at TJ Edwards, um, if he can get back, get him back. Uh, because linebacker is a low-key need for this team. Um, I would like to spend the draft capital, you know, fixing the, you know, the defensive line and cornerback and interior everything like that. But uh, if you can bring back TJ who has had kind of an up and down season, but for the most part, it's been way more positive than negative. Uh, he had a really good game last week. Um, and when he's playing well, it, it's very much noticeable. Uh, so those are the three kind of guys. I, definitely on the interior defensive line outside of that Epps and TJ Edwards for me. I love I, I love it because I think Marcus Epps isn't talked about enough, and I think TJ Edwards is talked about a lot. But I also think that he's not talked about for the main reason that he is such a good fit, such a perfect fit in this defense. But that all comes back to would he be the same type of fit if Jonathan Gannon isn't in the picture? And that becomes a major yeah. question mark to me about TJ Edwards because he was good but not great last year. Good enough to earn himself, you know, one a short extension from Howie to say, okay, prove it to me again. And he has proven it in a specific scheme. But the question to me is going to be, can he be an all-around linebacker? He is up there right now as far as, like, I, I posted a tweet that John Gunad, uh, a stats guy, posted that he's one of three linebackers right now with 95-plus tackles and two-plus sacks. He is an elite company with a lot of linebackers right now, but is that more the system, or is this TJ Edwards? Is this the TJ Edwards that we are going to know know his name for the coming few seasons in Philadelphia? So that this will be a lot more talk for the offseason. There's going to be so much amazing offseason talk that we get to have this offseason. Yeah, we do have a game this true. week, though. Yeah. We do have a game this week, though, so let's get to it. We got Sunday night against the Green Bay Packers, who if – LJ was on the show. We would be talking about how awestruck we are by how bad they've been because we both had them in the Super Bowl in our final prediction show. And ultimately, they are looking nowhere near it. At best, they can finish 10 and 7, which in the NFC will probably get you in the playoffs. But that means they win out. So and that to me right now with the way that team has looked and now some injuries catching up to them. I don't think that that's something that's feasible. I think this is more of a nine and eight and eight and nine type of team. And they might be fighting for that final spot, uh, especially with the way the Minnesota Vikings are completely rocking the uh, NFC North right now. 
we can argue about the outcome of the the Cowboys game and are they frauds or not. But the point is, they st- sit at the record they sit at and are own in the NFC North right now. But let's look at the Packers offense. Obviously, we have Aaron Rodgers there. He's having one of his more down seasons. Um, it has not been as good as he has hoped, I think. He is missing Devontae Adams greatly. And while he will never admit it, while no Green Bay fan wants to admit it, they want to point to other things. I think there's a lot more discussion that needs to be had about missing Devontae Adams than anything. Um, This offense as a whole is middle of the pack. Uh, When I was looking at it, they're 19th overall in yards. I think they were 14th in rushing and they were 16th in passing or something like that. They're really literally a middle of the pack offense and they are without Romeo Dobbs this week, which I think is a big loss. I get it. Christian Watson's been the guy over the last couple of weeks. He's had an incredible couple of weeks, but without Romeo Dobbs, that means a lot more attention can shift to Randall Cobb, can shift to Christian Watson, can shift to guys that maybe didn't have all that attention because Dobbs was around. Um, Mitch, I'll start with you. I mean, arguably the passing offense isn't great, but we have seen our Russian defense and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are guys, very viable threats to be able to exploit. It was better last week, but still viable to exploit it because that was only one week. Yeah. So when it comes to this run game, this run defense, I get nervous every single week. Every single week, which is what the Houston Texans and the Commanders did to us. So going up against these two guys, it's going to be a tough task. It's going to be a very tough task. But if Fletcher Cox can fix whatever problem is going on with him, if he can fix it, or Linval Joseph, Domingo Sue can do the same things as they did last week, I'll feel more confident. I need to see them do it again against this running duo. And with Bob with the double receiver out, it's going to go more towards the run game. It's going to go more towards the run, even though we stopped Derrick Henry and company to 99 total yard rushing yards the first time in like a month. Then we held a team under 100 rushing yards. So there is that. Absolutely. I like that. Um, what about you, Chris? I mean, when you look at this this matchup that we have between the Green Bay Packers offense uh, versus the Philadelphia Eagles defense, obviously there's a clear thing, there's a clear path that maybe the run could be an issue. But what do you think about like from a passing perspective? Christian Watson, he had a couple really good games. He had one really good game against Calvin Joseph. For as his primary corner uh, in Dallas, who's pretty much a backup third, fourth option cornerback in Dallas. Injuries got to them. And then he faced Christian Fulton in Tennessee as his primary corner. And he actually had a pretty good... Christian Fulton's been decent, um, but and he did fairly good against me. He had three touchdowns and two touchdowns. So he's five touchdowns over the last two games. He's become a primary target of, of Aaron Rodgers. What are your thoughts on what I mean, Darius Say's had some off games, but last week he seemed to get on track. Do you think that these this secondary is going to be able to deal with Christian Watson, Alan Lazard, and Randall Cobb and really slow down Aaron Rodgers as a passer? Yeah, I'm way more worried probably than you guys um, because if there's one thing that Darius Slay has routinely struggled with, that is size. That is size on the outside. Uh, Christian Watson has that at six foot four. Lazard is a guy that's also six foot four, can play on the outside. Um, 
But what I'm a little bit concerned with, and they've, they've kind of got burned on this over the last two weeks, is Lazard on the interior, which kind of goes almost like what I want to see for the Eagles offense this week, which we'll get to in a little bit. But Lazard on in the slot uh, against guys like Josiah Scott. And uh, th- we've seen teams have success against uh, Josiah Scott in the slot. So I'm a little worried about their size and speed. Uh, you look at Randall Cobb, I believe, uh, 24 catches, 330 yards. Uh, he lines up in the slot frequently. Uh, so I expect Darius Slade to be the guy that uh, checks Christian Watson in this one. Um, but, you know, guys like Randall Cobb and guys like Lazard, uh, they, they definitely pose a, a potential problem uh, for this team. But at, at the end of the day, uh, here, here's some stats for you. Uh, this uh, Green Bay Packers offense, if they're if they're trying to beat you with the pass, they will lose. In games that the Green Bay Packers have thrown more than they have run, they are 0-5 this season. In games where they have run more than pass, Aaron Rodgers' numbers are astronomically better, significantly better than they have this season. And the blueprint, it's not, let's be honest, like the blueprint is out on how to beat the Eagles. It is get manageable second and third downs and time of possession, keep that Eagles offense off the field. Sue, Joseph, Cox, Hargrave, those guys are going to have to be really on their game, uh, just like we saw in the second half against uh, last week against the Colts when they just shut them down uh, completely and kind of forced them, that offense, into third and longs, second and longs again and again. So for me, uh, it's not a, a big secret whatsoever. The Green Bay Packers are going to want to try and run the ball effectively. The biggest problem uh, with that is as good as Aaron Jones has been, A.J. Dillon has not been that great. And where they have also struggled is in as as in the passing game. There, there's been a lot of drops. Uh, there's been just a, a lot of plays that are like negative plays. You see a lot of flat screens that don't really go anywhere. Um, this this Green Bay Packers offense uh, has been really inept. Uh, when we talk about giveaways, they've got 15 giveaways this season. That is among the bottom in the NFL. Eight fumbles, seven interceptions, a turnover margin of negative four. That is six worst in the NFL. They've also got the most delay of game penalties on offense. They also have, have 20 drop passes this year. Uh, so top to bottom. They need to get if – if the Green Bay Packers are going to win this game, it's going to be by effectively running the football. Uh, so that's just my take. No, and I like your take. I think you make some really good points. And I think what's also crazy, I go on playerprofiler.com and I see the receiver target separation is 2.14 yards, which is ninth among quarterbacks. So Aaron Rodgers is seeing some great – target separation from these wide receivers and you can tell with his his willingness to heave the ball down field but at the end of the day the unfortunate reality is that you like you said Chris they they're dropping passes they're fumbling their ball protection is really 
dreadful. And that that's it's such a shame to see. Well, I mean, it's good for us this week because we don't want to have to worry about Aaron Rodgers and, and what he can do in the passing game. But it's a shame for Aaron Rodgers that the, the offense has turned this way. And those are some wild stats that Chris pointed out that he's going to yeah. be right back. He was having some internet issues. But those are some crazy stats that he was pointing out that he they need to lean on the run game because they need to bring more guys into the box so that there's more of an openness downfield so that Aaron Rodgers can make those plays because his completion percentage versus man is 54%, which ranks 30 cent second among quarterbacks. His completion percentage versus zone, 81.2%, number one among all quarterbacks. Oh. So if Jonathan Gannon wants to play that game where he's going to play off ball, he's going to play in zone coverages, he's going to play the two safeties deep and try and protect against the deep ball, there's a really good chance that Aaron Rodgers can win that battle because they're going to lean on the run game. And then when you start bringing your guys in, Aaron Rodgers is going to lean on the passing game and his ability to be able to make those plays happen. It's such a weird dynamic this offense based on all the stats that you see no stats point to one way that that obviously this offense should lean on the run but then you look at like the completion percentage versus zone versus man the giveaways like there's you it's so hard to tell where you lean with this green bay packers offense because it feels like they're just a cleaner football game away from being able to be the 10 and 7 team i was kind of mentioning a little bit earlier um we have a question. So Willie says, I have a question as a Cowboys fan. What do you think or how will y'all fare against a team with a good run game and a good QB because Hertz has not faced any good QBs yet? Mitch, I'll let you uh, I'll let you field this first because listen, my biggest comment, and we've made the comment on this show. All four teams in the NFC East have bottom 10 schedules. At the start of the season, they had bottom 10 strength of schedules. Yeah. So you cannot sit there as a Cowboys fan and say our schedule was this much harder or as a Giants fan say our schedule was this much harder. I think it actually went the Giants had the easiest, the Eagles the second easiest, the Commanders the third easiest. I think the Cowboys are like sixth easiest at the start of the season. So no one can sit there and say I had the harder schedule by strength of schedule everyone had a really easy schedule. This division was bound to be the NFC beast this year, but we don't get to pick the schedule is the big thing. So what's your thoughts on this question, Mitch? Honestly, I'm getting tired of this schedule. Uh, comment every single day on Twitter. I get a DM. I get comments on my YouTube video, shorts, you name it. Just let it go, man. Just let it go. We just played a team that puts on the schedule. So the thing with the quarterbacks, though, with good quarterbacks, that goes to Jonathan Gannon in a way because he's he respects these quarterbacks and he cannot do that against like Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, and stuff like that. We only sacked Heineke like what three times? I mean, you can't do that. Matt Ryan, three or two times? I mean, come on, you gotta be aggressive, you gotta blitz. That's all I gotta say about that. So Yeah, and and, and Willie says I, I I'm not saying that you have to play who is in front of you. We definitely have to play who is front in front of you. And and at the end of the day, um 
my 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 thing is this it's like we're playing who's in front of us and we're winning and that's the big thing to me when it comes down to playing the big games the last really big game we have for Jalen Hurts is that game against Tampa Bay and we got ransacked we got blown out of the house completely and at the end of the day for me my biggest thing is what he has become a lot better quarterback than that. And this offense looks a lot better than that offense that we had in that game. But when push comes to shove, we need to be in that position again. And Willie, I know as a Cowboys fan, you probably don't tune into this show very often, but me and LJ have talked about this topic a number of times, my co-host and we we've kind of talked about it as, as more of we want we one of our biggest criticisms is we want to see him in this type of game. We want to see him backed into a corner and what he can do. He was backed into a corner against Indianapolis, and all we were able to do was go 17-16. We put up one more point than that team. You go up against a really good football team. You go up against the Buffalo Bills, for example, and they can score. You go up against the Kansas City Chiefs, they can score points. And if at the end of the day, you go up against one of those teams who doesn't average 15 points per game and they can put up 30 or 40 points against you, that's where we need to see Jalen Hurts backed up against that wall and can he put 30 points up? Can he put 40 points up? Can he go pound for pound with them? We haven't seen that. And unfortunately, all we can do is play what's in front of us. But... Is it a concern of mine? Is it some, I mean, I don't like to look at it negatively. And is it a concern of mine? 100% it's a concern of mine. And we haven't had much of an opportunity to see it proven. The only game we've really seen it proven is against the Minnesota Vikings. So in the one game where we he had to do it, he did it. But up against the top dogs, like throwing Buffalo, throwing Kansas City, it's tough to t- say because we got to be put in that situation. He's got to be put in that situation. And at this point, we can't be particularly certain that he can do it. But Willie, definitely it is a concern of mine. I don't know if you got any more to add on that, Mitch. I think you nailed it right on the head. I was going to say the Minnesota Vikings, we handled – I mean, that was a primetime game. Kirk Hutchins such a do well in primetime. I'm just saying that right there. But, hey, you nailed it right on the head. We just play the people in front of us. I'm getting tired of it. Like, seriously, I am. I'm going to shout out Derek here. He, he's a veteran, new viewer from Chicago, uh, and he says, how's it, going? how's it going? I'm new to the channel. Welcome aboard. Thank you for your service, Derek. And, uh, yes, smash, subscribe, keep following us, check us out. We love all of you. Um, and then Willie adds one final thing. To be honest, I think the NFL set this up for an NFC East team to win it all this because look at all our schedules. At the end of the day, that's not necessarily how the schedules work. It's all about wins and losses prior season. And in each season, obviously, you play within your division X amount of times, and then you play a certain AFC division X amount of times. It, it's 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 all worked out a specific way, and it's not the NFL has a way of doing it. It it's It's set out a specific way, and this is just how it landed. We got a lot of really easy teams, and we got easy strength of schedules. Mitch? Let's move over to the other side of the football. Let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Obviously, we've talked about the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Welcome back, Chris. We were just talking about strength of schedule (laughs) and playing who's in front of us. Um, And shouting out our new friend, Derek, who's new to the channel. Um, So welcome back. We're flipping over to the Philadelphia Eagles offense on this one. Um, This is going to be an interesting one because the Green Bay Packers are not very good against the rush. 
but they are very good against the pass. So this is going to be very interesting because it's actually very similar for Philadelphia. They're not as great against the run, but they're pretty good, really good against the pass. So it's pretty much two not so great Russian defenses and two good passing defenses at going one-on-one. So it's going to be very interesting to see how each team attacks us. Chris, since we missed you for the last 50 or like 10, 12 minutes, I'm going to go to you on this one. It looks, hey, Wait. Doc Rivers over there. I think I don't know. I just changed locations in my house. It seems to be much better now. I don't know. <laughs> my internet just dropped like a, like a hat. I don't know. Do I sound Okay. You, you sound, sound much better, Chris. You were good to go, and you sounded good, even though we, even though you were frozen on the screen. You sounded phenomenal before you said, "I have no way." Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you said it great. No. <laughs> um, so let's start with that. Like we've seen, and last week we saw it. He couldn't lean. Jalen Hurts could not really lean on AJ Brown because one of the things we talked about with Stephon Gilmore when put in a position up against a big time wide receiver like we saw against Devontae Adams whether you think it's pass interference or not in a big time situation he can step up he can play you tight he can make your day really difficult and we saw that last week so what happens this week if the passing attack can't be used this offensive scheme over the last couple weeks has not really leaned on Miles Sanders has not really leaned on the passing attack like we would like to see I mean yeah we did see Boston Scott run completely ridiculously three straight times last game for some reason but what is it about Shane Steichen that he doesn't want it to be and it should be a Miles Sanders game yeah so like you said that's all all signs point to this being a Miles Sanders kind of game uh, this week, um, going back to your po- your point on you know the Packers' pass defense, I will say if there was one matchup to look at, and I kind of touched on it uh, earlier, is Darnell Savage in the slot has not been great. Uh, if, if if there was anything we learned from the Eagles last week, it's the the absence of Dallas Goddard was felt top to bottom. Uh, what that guy does as a safety blanket in those short yardage situations in the middle of the field, uh, fourth downs, in the RPOs, uh, his ability to kind of uh, make defenses guess wrong with Jalen Hurts in those RPOs is, for me, one of, I think, the one of the biggest strengths of this Eagles offense. Uh, and just have Jalen Hurts use his legs or, you know, dump it down to Dallas Goddard for a first down. Uh, so we didn't really see any tight end step up last week. Uh, so I, I think what I would like to see, because we have seen the offense kind of sputtering as of late, uh, is just a little bit of a more creative, more of a more of a change of approach with this Eagles offense. Shane and I talked about it earlier this week. You know, maybe for, you know go away from the twelve personnel and uh, maybe see some like four wide receiver sets, see some more pre-snap movement. You know, see AJ Brown in the slot, you know, taking advantage over a smaller guy like Darnell Savage, who's 5'11 and less than 200 pounds, you know, put some of our guys in positions to succeed. I I think, you know, it's a wait, it's a waiting game at this point until Dallas Goddard comes back uh, because he's been arguably a top three tight end, arguably number one tight end in the NFL. That's how good he's been. Um, So I don't expect anyone to kind of step up in his 
absence. So for me, I think the nuts and bolts of the Eagles offense, just let's see it change just a tad. Let's let's see a little bit more creativity. Uh, let, let's try and get this Green Bay Packers defense guessing uh, the, the Eagles offense to a, pretty much to a T has been a pretty simple offense uh, up to this point in the season. Uh, that's what I would like to see. I would like to see kind of a schematic change where uh, we really take advantage of those mismatches like A.J. Brown in the slot uh, and things like that. I absolutely agree. I think like last week they tried to play as if they had Dallas Goddard and they realized and listen, the report came out that they're fine with Jack Stoll. They're good with moving forward with Jack Stoll. And I don't care. Jack Stoll is a, he's a good blocker. He's a sufficient receiver, but he's not Dallas Goddard. He's not going to be, I think Dallas Goddard's third in the NFL or top five for sure in the NFL in yards after the catch. Jack Stoll is not creating that much after the catch for you. You can't the, the the prospect that you can continue to run your offense as if Jack Stoll or Grant Calcaterra or Tyree Jackson is Dallas Goddard is absolutely mind numbing and is not going to work and is going to absolutely cost us football games. One of the guys that I would like to see more, you said I move AJ Brown into the slot. I'm perfectly content with Quez Watkins in the slot. I'm perfectly content with more usage of Quez Watkins. He's eight of eight for 122 yards and I think two touchdowns in the last three games. He's been exceptional besides that absolutely horrendous fumble, which we we wrapped him for it on this show uh, for like five minutes a couple weeks back when we talked about the commander's post game show. We gave him the, a hard enough time. But besides that, he's been one of the better wide receivers over the last couple weeks with the ball in his hands. And when targeted, I think he absolutely has to be a focal point of the offense and he needs to be the guy that you have to get a lot more creative with because he can be the Dallas Goddard. No, no, not necessarily. He's not going to make people miss or drag people with him, but he's got speed. He can create after the catch. He can do a lot of the stuff you want from him, except he's not a blocker and he's not, you know, six foot five, 270 pounds like Dallas Goddard is. So obviously you have to use him a lot more creatively, but he can do the things that Dallas Goddard could do. And that's why I continue to pick him as an impact player because there's so much focus on Devontae Smith. There's so much focus on a, there's constantly tons of focus on AJ Brown that I don't think it matters where you move A.J. Brown. I think they will have to – I think Green Bay would move things around. They wouldn't leave Savage in the slot against A.J. Brown. But they will likely leave Savage in the slot against Quest Watkins, and I think that's a massive mismatch that can be taken advantage of. Mitch, what are your thoughts on this offense versus the Green Bay Packers defense? First off, can we give Miles Sanders the ball more in the first half? Like, is that a question? Can we please do that? Because whenever he runs the ball more in the first half, we get things going. We're a better team. We're one team. So we need Miles Sanders to get the ball more. And I like the idea of A.J. Brown in the slot. I honestly never even heard of that. So I honestly like that. He's actually a little over 200 yards away from hitting 1,000. So hopefully he can get that this game. That's, that would be cool. But, uh, yeah, run first. And that's basically it. Mismatch. Absolutely. And and I got to point out, I would, I don't know what Kenneth Gainwell has done to be put in the doghouse with Shane Steichen, but there's no way you can tell me Boston Scott is better or more deserving of time on that field than Kenneth Gainwell. I'm sorry. If you're sitting there and you got Boston Scott as an impending free agent and you got Miles Sanders as an impending free agent and you got 
the only guy who's going to be back on that roster in that backfield next year for certain is Kenneth Gainwell. You got to start using that guy. You got to start finding ways to work him into your offense. I don't know what he's doing. And LJ talked about it last week. Why is Kenneth Gainwell not in the slot? Why can't he be a guy who eats into some of that Dallas Goddard role or trying to force that type of offense or play that we've seen with Dallas Goddard as part of the offense? I don't know if you have anything to add on that, Chris. I see you nodding. I'd love to get your opinion on what 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 maybe you or what Shane might have seen that has put Kenneth Gainwell in this doghouse. Um, yeah, he, I thought because I was a Kenny G guy, and I thought for sure he would have a huge leap forward in his development this year. Um, but there's no real and like easy answer to that he just hasn't been involved to the point where it's been Boston Scott late in the fourth quarter against the Colts getting uh, multiple carries in clutch situations. Mike, that is exactly where I was going with this. Is is this the week we finally see Trey Sermon? Uh, nobody really knows about this guy. Uh, he really hasn't played much. Been with the Eagles for long. Uh, but at least he's a short yardage guy that can give the Eagles a different flavor at running back. Like, what's the worst that could happen with Trey Sermon? Uh, that's kind of where I'm at at this point. Um, I agree. At G, this point, you're getting guys, like, guys at this point, man. And and I think that that's like a big point in in some of these situations. Ryan says, I'd rather see Sermon than Scott. 100%. If if LJ was on the show right now, he'd be smiling ear to ear because he's been a strong proponent of get Boston Scott off this team. <laughs> why is he getting any opportunities? But the, the thing with me is we need to see what we got in some of these guys. Why not try Trey Sermon? He could be a guy you bring back next year. Why? What, what does it matter if Trey Sermon takes two or three of those touches at Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell again? What are they getting, like five or six touches a game? What difference does it make how you spread those touches out? And the couple of times we've seen Trey Sermon, he was explosive. He was decently effective in there, like three or four touches he's had as a Philadelphia Eagle. And then same question to me comes up with N'Kobe Dean. How much could it be? You know, TJ Edwards is a dude. Kaiser White, to me, he's not the dude. He's a guy. He's one of those guys in that long list of 17 guys who likely isn't back next year. What's up with Nicobe Dean? Why can't we? What would it hurt to give him 10 to 15 snaps a game and see what he can do? Are you hiding something? Is there something we don't know about that injury? Did you draft a guy who there was major concerns about an injury and the the concerns are for real now that he's in camp, now that he's actually practicing week in and week out that we're not seeing? Like he's not even on special teams. But I, I yeah, that that's interesting. But I like I don't think it's a medical physical issue. I think it's a more mental uh issue for uh nicobe dean like he really struggled in the preseason catching up to the speed of the nfl game catching up to the speed of the eagles playbook and i agree um i was thinking about that a couple of weeks ago before sue before joseph like could we be at the point where now is the time to kind of unleash nicobe dean that the the honest uh response there is we don't really have data to say like this would be a good decision to make um tj edwards well, we don't uh, have data to say it's not the right decision like ha- but how much could it hurt to give him 10 or 15 I, snaps like so, we're not so talking I, dramatic here like so my, my point is like real quick is i think the issues with the eagles run defense is not so much a tj edwards versus nicobe dean issue it's more of a schematic issue with Jonathan Gannon. Like he frequently, you'll see frequent 
you know, um, presentations from Gannon with light boxes when teams are clearly on running situations, running the football, and we're just not uh, in the Eagles defense is not in position uh, to, to <laughs> slow down any of those plays. Uh, we have I think he just game. doesn't like, you know, on a first down, the odds of running, like if you take that into your mind, the odds of running are so much higher and he's playing every down like it's a passing down. And it's like, yes. but why, you know, like the analytics point towards something. Why is it always the same look when you know analytically you should be yeah. given a different look? And that well, I agree with you. I think that's what's so frustrating for a lot of people, Jonathan Gannon. And to be correct, to give him credit, like, he and I want to pile on Jonathan Gannon here. He has made adjustments over the last few weeks. We have seen, uh, you know, the 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 bad of the bad when it comes to Jonathan Gannon, like the corner playing way too far off the line, uh, different things like that. But like last week, we saw a little more run blitzing and, and different things like that, which we routinely haven't seen from Jonathan Gannon. Um, so we that one game, I think it was. Uh, Washington, when nothing was working, especially on third downs to slow down commanders, he blitzed like over 50% in the second half. Uh, We did see man coverage. It didn't matter. Darius Slay had his uh, worst game (laughs) of the season. And you got to wonder if it's as simple as Darius Slay and Josiah Scott just aren't on the same page. And now you have Darius Slay worrying about this guy over here. And now he's thinking rather than reacting. Is it that mm-hmm. simple? Um, so who knows? There's there's a there's a lot of things in play. I think we uh, underrated or underestimated the absence of Jordan Davis, and I'm really excited to see Sue and Joseph kind of really fix this because the silver lining of the the Colts game is if Sue and Joseph truly s- solve the Eagles' issues in run defense. Uh, you know, arguably the biggest strength of this team has been their past defense. They're among the best in the NFL in so many different statistics. Um, and if you can make a team one dimensional uh, and we have seen again and again, uh, these Eagles playmakers in the defensive backfield uh, show up again and again, uh, that really does well in the Eagles favor moving forward. I, I completely agree. You make great points there. And uh, it, it, for certain, if if Sue and Joseph, I mean, the fact that they were able to do what they did on such minimal snaps, I think that's huge. If they can start to take more away from Fletcher Cox and more away from Hargrave, and that's not to say that Hargrave and Cox don't deserve those snaps. Well, Cox doesn't. Hargrave definitely deserves the the snaps. Right around where he's at, like 45 snaps a game, that's fine. But Cox, if you can peel him back some more and you can give these guys more opportunities, I think this defense just gets even better. And you saw it so much. Like Linval Joseph was used more in the the run defense than Domicon. So I think he had seven or eight more snaps that were in run defense. You can tell when Linville Joseph was out there, there was a difference made. He ate gaps up massively. Like he took away two gaps by himself, which completely changes how a running back can see the field uh, once two gaps are gone and you have to pick a different gap to go to. Or if the gap was there, or if the gap you were supposed to hit was one of those ones Linville Joseph's in, it's a complete game changer. So I completely agree. One One of my favorite plays from last week was the play when Sue and Joseph 
came together on a sack, I think in the third or fourth quarter. Uh, yeah. that, was, that, that was just mm. – right, so, so, like, look at this. The, the Eagles' 67.9% success rate against the run last week was the second best mark for the Eagles this season. And on the 18 snaps with either Joseph or Sue, uh, those two guys on the field, they allowed just 2.8 yards per carry. 2.8. That is like ridiculous considering That's Jordan Davis numbers. It's it's pretty close. Uh, so I agree, Phil. Like the Jordan Davis loss, uh, it, it hurts. Get well soon. Can't wait to have you back. Uh, but um, that that's that's more important than Nicope Dean is getting that that interior kind of fixed. Yeah, because we've seen how much Howie leans on the interior offensive and defensive lines or the lines in general. At the end of the day, we've seen this team be able to work frustratingly but sufficiently without linebackers or without consistent linebacker play. But we cannot do well without good offensive line and defensive line play. That is just not in the playbook for either side of the football. Um but now we're we're here. We're at fifty five minutes. Let's uh, let's kind of wrap this up in a bow for everybody. Um, let me know. We'll start with you, Mitch. Um, give me your impact player for the Green Bay Packers. Someone you think could have a big game, um, offensively or defensively, and then give me a Philadelphia Eagles as well that you're really looking out for in this game. All right. So can I give two? Because I think it's the run game for the Packers. Absolutely. I give, give two. Be, I think it's going to be AJ Dillon and uh, God, I always forget the other guys. Aaron, Aaron Jones. Jones. Aaron Jones, yeah. So it's going to be those two guys because, you know, our run game has been exposed for the last couple of weeks. I know with Sue and Joseph coming, you know, they did great last week, but can they hold it up again against these two guys? I don't know. And for the Eagle side, I got to go with um, oof, it's kind of tough. You know what? I'm going with Miles Sanders. I'm going with Miles Sanders here. If he could get the ball, he could be effective as he was weeks ago. I mean, weeks ago, it's a Pro Bowl type of player. He's getting, he's hitting the holes. He's hitting it right. He's going through the pathways, whatever you want to call it. I'm giving Miles Sanders, man. And I, I would agree with you. I think Miles Sanders is a really good one. I, I, If you ask LJ, I've been wishing the Kenneth Gainwell game into existence. It hasn't happened. He did have the touchdown there a couple weeks back, and that was a game where he got to see a decent amount of touches, and we saw, you know, he can be effective. He should be used. He should be the number two with Miles Sanders. So I, I, I would never – I won't say Kenneth Gainwell at this point until I see them have a willingness and trust in him, but I've been willing and wishing that, that Kenneth Gainwell well game on for a while and I really feel like this can be the game but I just feel like Shane Steichen is lost and what to do with his running backs I just don't think he he understands how to get them going and he's been so focused on other aspects of this offense and the running game has kind of fell to the wayside, which was what was so vitally important in the earlier weeks, in the first five, six weeks, where we dominated time of possession. The offenses did not get on that field. And now we're seeing more three and outs than ever, more like one and two minute possessions. And that just isn't going to continue to work. So I would agree with you. I think you picked the running backs on the Green Bay side. I picked the running backs on the Eagles side altogether. And Shane Steichen being able to work with them. I think 
Shane Steichen with them is the one is like the guy and the people I'm looking at in Philadelphia because this is this is I think they're the seventh worst against the run. They're allowing 135 yards to uh, on the ground, and that's not even including like passing to to the running backs. So there could be a lot of work for for Kenneth Gainwell and Miles Sanders if they just get used right. And I hope I hope that that Shane Steichen will use them right. On the Green Bay side, I'm going to go with Jair Alexander. I think it's going to be. I think it's been proven that if you can shut down or take out, especially with Dallas Goddard out of the picture, if you can shut down a guy like AJ Brown, or if you're on Devontae Smith, if you can lock those guys down, and you can guarantee there's one corner who's locking it that area of the field down for you. That changes the entire landscape of the Philadelphia Eagles offense and what we're able to do. So I think if Jair Alexander can do what uh, what they were doing last week in in Indy uh, with AJ Brown and completely shutting him down uh, and shutting and Gilmore shutting down that side of the field for for Jalen Hurts, I think it could be a long night for Jalen Hurts, and I think it would force Steichen to lean on the running backs more. And I do think that he's going to have to lean that way, anyways. But it's probably going to be large because Jair Alexander is doing his job and doing it extremely effectively. What about you, Chris? Yeah, if the Green Bay Packers, like I said earlier, have any chance of winning this game, it's Aaron Jones. Uh, Aaron Jones would be uh, the player of the game here. Um, the the problem with that <laughs> is uh, probably one of the weakest parts of this Packers uh, team is their interior offensive line. I'm looking at. Algden Jenkins, Josh Myers, right guard John Runyon. Uh, this entire Packers offensive line has fate, has battled injuries and in like 20 different uh, lineups, combinations, and it's it feels like the, the Eagles offensive line of ghost past. You know what I mean? Like when uh, there's so many injuries and it was just uh, who's who every single week. That's kind of what the Packers have been dealing with. Um, and I agree with the comment about watch for the screens because uh, the, the Packers have a ton of those plays that I alluded to earlier, uh, especially to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. The majority of their targets in the receiving game uh, is behind the line of scrimmage. And I think that's where this Green Bay Packers offense has really struggled, especially to start the season, was because they have so many, so much youth on the outside uh, at receiver they kind of expected Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to be much more prominent roles uh, in as a receiver in this offense, and they've had so many drops. They have, they have. You look at the numbers, like uh, whether it's Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon, their numbers are way down when it comes to being a threat uh, as a receiver in the backfield. So Aaron Jones for me, um, it's pretty easy uh, if the if the Packers offensive line can get that push. And Aaron Jones has a really good first half. You know, this this team uh, is pretty good when it comes to time of possession. I believe they're top 10 in the NFL, and they only have, what, four wins? And the other area uh, that has me a little bit concerned is this team also uh, gives up the second-fewest third-down conversions per game in the league defensively. So This is not an elite defense by any means, um, but they're eighth-best in the league at limited third down conversions at 34.9%. And they give up the fifth fewest passing yards per game. So going with Mitch, um, I don't think A.J. Brown probably has a huge bounce back game in this season, like Bill says. Probably not in the cards, but who knows? It's the freaking NFL. Um, it, Miles Sanders is way too easy of a pick. 
um, like you said. But for me, since Aaron Jones is my Packers pick, it's got to be Sue and Joseph for my Eagles pick. If they can limit uh, the damage on those early downs, those run downs, run situations, uh, and force the Packers to second and long, third and long, just like we saw uh, in the second half of the Colts game, uh, I think the Eagles have a great chance of getting out of this one with a W. Uh, I'm nervous about this game. Are we going to get into predictions uh, after this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Predictions. Um, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon both have three drops. So they, so they rank seventh among running backs. Aaron Jones's rate is a 6% rate. AJ Dillon's rate is an 11% drop rate, which is insane. The big, the thing that scares me most about Jones, like you alluded to, he ranks the, uh, ninth with 5.2 true yards per carry true yards per carry discounts runs of 10 plus yards he has a 5.4 yards per carry in general if you want to incorporate those 10 plus yard runs which definitely is tops in the league dude the only aj Dillon, far worse just saying 3.9 and 4.0 ranks 43rd amongst running backs yeah aaron jones's average depth of target is negative 1.4 yards that is the third shortest among running backs. So the Eagles better be ready for that screen game uh, because that ball will be coming out fast and the Eagles better be ready to pounce. Love it. Um, so prediction time. Time to wrap this all up with a final prediction. Philadelphia Eagles 9-1 and one at the link. Up against the Green Bay Packers, who are four and seven. The Packers are one and four on the road. The Eagles are four and one at home. Mitch, give me your final score prediction here. All right. So for me, I'm going 28 Eagles, 21 Packers. <laughs> Galen Hurts, man. Galen Hurts. What? That was yours? I'm this close. This close. What is yours? <laughs> my prediction is 27 to 23 Eagles. Oh my god. It's like right I like there. it. Phil Phil's got 32 to 24 for the Eagles. Um I I probably I'm I'm very similar to you guys. I, I think I'm going 24 to 20 for the Eagles. I'm a little bit lower. I think that the defense I mean, every time I say I think that the defenses are gonna have decent games, those are the games where both teams end up pumping out like 30 points and it's insane the scoring. But I got 24 to 20 from the Philadelphia Eagles moving to 10 and one. This was awesome, guys. Thank you so much for coming on and stepping up in the absence of LJ. LJ is going to be back on Tuesday night. We are going to be reacting and breaking down uh, this game, and hopefully it is a W. The Philadelphia Eagles enter this game with a complete clean bill of health for the players who are healthy. Obviously, we're missing the guys who are on the IR. We can't help that. Well, uh, the Green Bay Packers, Bakhtiari, questionable. Romeo Dobbs is out. Backup tackle guard, Sean Ryan Ryan is is, uh, suspended. And Devondre Campbell, the linebacker, is doubtful. So we could have some things playing in our favor on that side, on the injury side. But uh, and Robert has thirty two twenty four for the Eagles, and Willie has twenty eight to twenty one for Philly as well. So we got a, a all our commenters as well as everybody on screen as Philadelphia winning to Tim or well not tonight tomorrow night. <laughs> like I, I, I'm nervous about this game. I'm like 
I'm kind of nervous about this one. The, the last one is it the last three games have they given us any reason not to be nervous about yeah, exactly. Next week exactly. Next week? <laughs> like if, if there's a, if there's a quarterback that can just get rid of the ball fast, get up get the ball to uh you know the Packers uh, slot receivers, uh expose some of those mismatches uh and kind of cement a, a ground game, it could be – this could be it. I'm a little worried about this one for And like sure. you said, there's a lot of drops and some inconsistency with ball security. Yeah. And all it takes is if this is a game they turn that around, they can so, drop 30 or 40 on us. And this is basically like win or go home for the Packers. Like this is – this is like – this is it for them. So this is a huge game for Green Bay. I think team. nine and eight ends up being the final team, like in the wild card that gets in. But there's probably there's teams that own the tiebreakers over Green Bay with their play. You know what's funny? People are telling me that all the NFC East teams can make it playoffs this year. Can you imagine that? Like the Eagles won. I think it's likely. I, I think I think Washington's absolutely trending up. I think we can do it. Washington can do it. How 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 ironic! As soon as Carson went into the picture, and, and we, <laughs> but we talked about this on we talked about that on this show. Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz are such similar quarterbacks stylistically. I I feel that you just got like a more expensive Taylor Heineke. Well, I think Taylor Heineke last year had a good grasp on the team, a good grasp on the offense, good control of the game, and was giving them a chance and Carson Wentz was not giving them a chance and it's all all coming to fruition and all proven with the fact that Carson Wentz is now sitting out and Heineke's leading the charge to, as you guys alluded to, a potential playoff run for the fourth place team in the NFC East. Yeah. I, I think this game uh, comes down to getting pressure on Rodgers. Uh, that is absolutely critical. Like he's not been the same quarterback. There's a lot of different things uh, about this Green Bay offense. But uh, the one difference, for me at least, is Aaron Rodgers under pressure. Um, you look at Rodgers, he's uh, 17th uh, under pressure with a passer rating of 70.5, uh, where years past he's been absolutely dynamic uh, against the Blitz. Uh, this guy, uh, of 38 quarterbacks with at least 35 under pressure dropbacks, he ranks 28th with a completion percentage of 45% and 25th in yards per attempt at 5.7. And under pressure, he was only throwing three touchdowns to one interception. Uh, so just as much as I said Sue and Joseph are my player of the game, it's got to be Josh Sweat. Uh, it's got to be Brandon Graham consistently. It's on Reddick, of course. Um, just, but just yeah, that, that's what sucked about our rush, though, is it hasn't been consistent. Yes, we have a decent amount of pressures. Yes, we've been getting some quarterback hits, but translating into sacks and translating into giving that quarterback a tough day, it just hasn't happened consistently enough. Robert Quinn, where you at, man? <laughs> you know really, about Robert really. Quinn? He has not had a sack in the last 11 games. I think it was one sack or something. People Please. compare him to Ryan Kerrigan. Like, yeah, oh. he is Ryan Kerrigan. He sucks, man. Oh, man. That just be, uh, hurts to say about him. Oh, man. But this is it, ladies and gentlemen. As always, thank you so much, Chris, uh, at Mr. Crockpot on Twitter. Anything you want to add before we say farewell? 
Um, lots of content coming over the next like 24 hours. Uh, I've got my running backs and cornerback rankings for the 2023 NFL draft videos. Uh, they've been done. I just been lazy over the last couple of days with Thanksgiving. I literally had another dinner tonight. Um, <laughs> it's the turkey's fault, not my fault. Um, and then, of course, we have pregame, halftime, postgame tomorrow. We're also going to be double dipping with Sixers postgame as well uh, tomorrow night. Uh, we have a new co-host for Sixers postgame, and then he'll have his debut tomorrow night. So that'll be really fun. Um, uh, that's about it. Party on Bravo will be on Monday night with my man Rob. Um, just breaking down the Eagles game as always. And just um, anything NFL draft. Uh, lots and lots of content coming with that. I love it. And definitely follow the painted lines because we are going to be busy as the season winds down. When the season ends, you think things are going to get quiet? Absolutely not over at the painted lines. We'll definitely have lots going on. Uh, Mitch, at Mitch Kofsky, anything you want to say to the people? So first off, you can follow me on Hardcore Sports Network. We're doing a Survivor Series watch party in like 20 minutes. So I got to eat dinner and get ready for that. But, hey, Michigan, I am happy. So freaking happy still. Is Blake Corum on your running back list? He better be. He's he's, he's a day two guy for me. Day two. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought it would be – I'm kidding. <laughs> I no, not, no I, I mean, I was on uh, Mark's show today on his radio show raving about the running back class. It is arguably one of the deeper classes in the draft. The running back class this year is stacked. And if you guys – um, have a few seconds tonight to, to go on YouTube or research, whatever. Look up Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. If you're looking for a, a, a short yardage, big third down back for the Eagles next year, day two guy, Zach Charbonnet is your man. He does not break away speed, uh, but he's a guy that I'm absolutely in love with. And you're going to be hearing a ton about him from me over the next five months. Zach Charbonnet, <laughs> UCLA. <laughs> Absolute stud. He is a future Philadelphia Eagle. Can lock it in. No, Blake Corum, lock it in. No, he's too small. He's too small. I want Blake Corum, please. I, it's going to be like a it. huge offseason, and I, and I agree with it. With it, with like one return of running back next year, it'll be very interesting to see what how he does as far as paying or drafting these guys. Um, Mitch, good luck with your Survivor Series show. We're wrapping things up just in time. If you're a big WWE fan, go over and watch Survivor Series with those guys over at the Hardcore Sports Network. Um, otherwise, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you rate, review, like, subscribe wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening. Of course, follow uh, EOP, Edge of Philly Sports. Follow the Painted Lines. They're on Facebook. They're on Twitter. They're on YouTube. Um, but for now, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. And fly, Eagles, fly. You want Philly food? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40s. Yeah.